It is no secret that the travel industry has undergone some major changes in the past few years. And even though it is back and booming, so much of why and how we travel has changed. Welcome to Travel Redefined. I'm Sarah Dandeshi and I'm your host, and I'm excited to talk to thought leaders in the hospitality and travel space for insight on the future of travel. Welcome back to another episode of Travel Redefined, where we're talking to individuals all around uh, the travel and hospitality space, doing a deep dive into what they are doing and how they are redefining travel in their own respective ways. And today's guest, very impressive background, incredible what he's doing. And I'm excited to share a bit of his story because more individuals need to be learning from what he's doing, incorporating it into their properties, into their communities. Um, I, I mean, so excited. So uh, today's guest, Dante Johnson, who is the GM of Hotel Revival, so much more in Baltimore. But Dante, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is going to be great. Okay, so I always like to start with this because it sets the tone. We have a lot of hoteliers, hospitality professionals that have done all different aspects of the industry, you know, in their respective careers. So I like setting the tone with this. Um, And I'd love to know a little bit more of your background. So I know we're going to dive into the hotel revival. We're going to definitely talk about this concept of impact hospitality. Um, Mm -hmm. So guys, stay tuned for that. But before we dive in, uh, share a little bit about your hospitality background. Yeah, so I started out actually uh, fresh from college. I, I studied journalism at St. Peter's University in Jersey City and excited to have my family come up and watch me walk across the stage. I was the uh, the second person in my family to, to, to attend college. And so this was a massive deal for me. And Congrats. one of my aunts asked me what my plan was for after graduation and having studied journalism, I was going to stay in Jersey and write. And then she uh, she gently explained to me that that wasn't an option and that I needed to come home. <laughs> I've got two younger brothers and two younger sisters, and uh, and that's where I needed to be. So with no prospects in journalism in the D.C. area, I started looking for jobs. And after a summer of interviewing for everything from Cutco Knives to, uh, to marketing jobs, uh, she recommended that I look into hospitality just based on my personality and, you know, everything that she knew about me as a person. And that was because she worked at a hotel. And my first uh, exposure to the industry was through her. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I had a summer job that was three blocks away from the hotel where she worked. And, you know, being a high school kid with no money uh, at yeah. lunchtime, I would go <laughs> knocking on the office door and she'd walk me around and tell everybody how proud she was of her straight A student Mm -hmm. uh, nephew. And then she'd take me out for lunch, which I really enjoyed. So so fast forward, you know, call it five or six years, uh, her recommending that I look into the industry was kind of interesting. And so I started applying for front desk jobs. And the interesting thing is the very first interview that I had for a hotel job uh, was canceled on the spot because of my hair. And I think, you know, folks can see, I've got locks, they're, they're pinned up right now, but uh, they're far past my waist and length. And so interesting. Wait, wait, for for frame of reference, what time I'm not to age any of us here, because I have a similar story. But what time frame was this? Like early two thousands? Yeah, this was early two thousands. So yeah. I was hired uh three weeks before nine eleven. 
And so my first interview with another company would have been probably a couple weeks before that. And I sat in the lobby, I had my suit, I was ready to go, copies of the resume, the whole thing. And, um, and what was later explained to me uh, after being told that the interview would have to be rescheduled because something came up was that I just didn't meet the grooming standards of, of that hotel. And so that's why the interview was, you know, rescheduled, but I never got called back. So what I did when I got that information was reached out to Kempton, uh, who I had another interview scheduled with and just said, listen, from what I am now learning, um, hospitality isn't a space for people who look like me. Uh, if that's an issue, I'm not going to cut my hair for the job. So um, I just want to be upfront about that. I don't want to waste your time if, I, if that's going to be a problem. And what they said was, well, just come on in and we'll, and we'll see what happens. And so it's kind of a leap of faith after having that initial experience, even to to come in for the for the for the next interview. Yeah. And I did, you know, started out, got a job at the front desk and worked my way up from there. Um, you know, worked in revenue management for a little while. I was a director of guest services for a while, um, but ended up moving up pretty quickly. And so I think it was six years between my last day at the front desk and my first day as a GM. Uh, so oh, I was able wow. To That's incredible. Like what a trajectory and in, in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, the great thing was that Kempton was was in, a, in the middle of a, gro- a growth spurt. And so mm-hmm. as Kempton was growing in D.C. and they opened, you know, six hotels over the course of probably four or five years, I was able to to bounce around those hotels, learn different types of properties, uh, different roles. Uh, all those hotels had their own unique locations within the D.C. market, but also had their own unique stories. And this was really during what I consider to be the, the boutique boom in the industry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as the industry was kind of growing in some spaces and the industry was expanding, I was able to uh, to kind of hit the ground running and be at the right place at the right time. Uh, and I just yeah. worked incredibly hard and I had a lot of people who supported me. Thank you for sharing your story about that first introduction to the inter- industry, because uh, I do feel a lot has changed. There's a lot more that we need to go, but I can't tell you what I've seen over the years. And I even have my own stories that I've shared where it's like, I got written up for wearing my hair naturally curly at a, at a property. And I was just like, did I just get written up for what? So, um, that is to say, we won't, we won't, we won't stay on this topic too long, but um, it's interesting to see how in general, um, and I'm sure obviously different locations, different destinations, depending on how conservative or open-minded they are, have relaxed a little bit. I know I personally firsthand have seen properties relax a little bit on grooming standards, even tattoos and things like that. Um, but fascinating okay so and then now you're talking about the dc area and then i actually went to college in dc know it very very well that's actually where i got started in hotels myself so interesting that you're talking about this boutique boom because especially in that um in that area i know that that's that's certainly been something exciting to go from the big box quote-unquote hotels to these more unique experiences so but um, let's talk a little bit about Hotel Revival. Uh, this is where you are now. Tell us a little bit about the property. What makes it unique? The Revival is incredible. I think, I think the first thing that, that comes to mind, and I know everybody says this in, in every property in the industry, <laughs> is, yeah, is the course. people, right? You know, this, you, know, yeah. you know what's coming before I even say I it. <laughs> but I think we have, uh, we have an incredibly passionate group who, uh, who really cares about the city of Baltimore. And... And so, you know, there's there's countless examples of 
of people going above and beyond to create space, to create uh, you know access to opportunity, but to uh, to blur the lines between where revival ends and where Baltimore begins. I think there are some things that you know if you look on Instagram, you can see the hotel is incredibly well designed. I take nothing away from that. You know our our, our offerings are are incredible. Uh, the food and beverage is amazing. Um, our programming is thoughtful and intentional. Uh, the spaces are activated, you know, probably 365 days a year. There's something happening at the hotel. But I think you know, the, I cannot say enough about the way that the team at the property ha- has embraced Baltimore. Uh, and that's, you know, part of the reason why we're having this conversation right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, and I will say this. So last year, I probably traveled to like at least 20 different destinations. I was in Baltimore actually for a conference and I verbatim, I kept telling people, I was like, everybody is so nice. And by the way, Baltimore is not new territory for me. I get I've been in and around the whole area, but specifically in recent years, traveling post-pandemic, seeing different cities, different hotels, you name it. You know, everybody's got a little bit of a different um, uh, uh, reception. And across the board, I was like, I was blown away. So I can only imagine, obviously, same goes to, I mean, now this is me, you know, taking off my cap to like the city of Baltimore, what's going on there as far as like the general um, feeling. But I I can only imagine, obviously, the same goes for your property as well, too. Um, So you you there's a bit of this impact hospitality. Okay, Um, you've kind of been talking about this. This is like out there you're kind of behind this sort of concept, but I want to talk a a lot more about this. So what does impact hospitality mean? How, how has it become maybe like a mantra for so many in the hospitality industry and especially Baltimore's hospitality scene? Yeah. And thank you for that question. It's, uh, it's our philosophy. And, and to me, impact hospitality is, is a positive change uh, for created for for guests, for team members, and for our immediate community uh, through intentional and active programming and the deployment of, of the assets and resources that we have available to us at the hotel. And so I think there's lots of people who are doing incredible work in our industry. But to your point, I think the industry has a long way to go uh, from from an inclusivity perspective. Uh, you know, diversity. I think you know is a, is a, is a buzzword now, but. Uh, we know that there's there's layers of the industry that are incredibly diverse, and then we know that mm-hmm. there's layers that are incredibly lacking. And Correct. so, to us, um, you know, this goes beyond DEI. Um, you know, this goes beyond you know the the quarterly park cleanup and and programs like that. Those things are all good, and we should still continue to focus on those things. Um, mm-hmm. It also goes beyond charity. Uh, you know, our philosophy isn't isn't based on revival. Uh, writing checks to to support the health of Baltimore, um, we don't do very much of that. Our philosophy is based on on revival, creating space and opportunity for Baltimore to care for itself. And to to your point, I think I think Baltimore, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated cities in the country. And I think yes. that the people <laughs> in the city are incredible. And as a DC guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, I had uh, I expected to receive no love when I came to Baltimore. <laughs> And wanted to pour into the community because we know that there's a bit of a rivalry between these two. There cities. is just a little bit. And so, which, which you know, I think, which I think manifests itself in a number of different ways. Here in, yeah. in, in the hotel, uh, it ends up being a very playful and, and, and fun thing. 
So, you know, so that, that's all to say our, our goal is, is to, to run a business without walls and to uh, and to participate in the community the way that we would uh, as individuals, just knowing that, uh, that the power of that collective spirit uh, amplifies our ability to drive social change. I love that. Run a business without walls. Like <laughs> that really, I mean, it's such a huge part of what you do. And it's, I think that that just as you just said, goes so much more than just like, you know, quarterly park cleanups. It, it really is building the business on a daily basis that that is including the community. So, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a bit. So this mission, which I love, by the way, make lives better. Um, it's been so much a root of, of what you've worked on in the past year, a few years. And such a simple concept, but it is so powerful. So, so what sort of inspired this mission? Yeah, uh, it was it was really well the 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 the, the phrase "make lives better" was really inspired by a desire to to capture what we were already doing, and and to really give people uh, a, an idea that they could wrap their brains around because we cover so much ground. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, to me, it is it is hospitality. Uh, at its core, and this is the the function that that as an industry we we've we've endeavored to uh, to perform for you know for decades. But what I think has happened over the years is that we've gotten gotten caught up in programming it. We've gotten caught up in scaling it. We've gotten caught up in in replicating it and in creating consistency. And all of those things can be great and can be really meaningful things. But I think what's been stripped away is is the unique spirit of every location where we do business. And in doing so, we've kind of, I think we've impeded our ability to, to drive impact into those communities. And so we've seen examples, and I'm sure you have as well in your travels, of businesses, not just in hospitality, that thrive in communities that aren't healthy. And, and I think that we've created uh, a framework where, where that feels normal and okay. And so, for us to come along and challenge some of that and challenge ourselves uh, is, I think, you know, the, the meaningful thing that we hope other others in our industry will replicate. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it, I mean, again, it we're, we're just in a very different, and that's why this conversation is so, so great. And so I think perfect is that we are in this very different time that we are looking at the industry in a different way and understanding, you know, where in this particular case, a hotel, you know, where the property um, it's not just about the guests. It's also not just about the employees, but it's also about where it stands in in its space and place, yeah. um, the destination as well. So it's a, it's a fourth I, stakeholder that that we don't often talk about. You know, we we talk we talk quite a bit about about caring for uh, for our guests. Obviously, that's where our bills are paid. Uh, we talk yeah. about taking care of our team because that ultimately leads to that outcome. And then we talk about creating positive outcomes for for our investors, but. Uh, but the communities where we do business, oftentimes uh, we're able to sort of hand select the members of those communities who we want to create access for. And, and our goal is to, is to drive a meaningful change for, for everybody uh, in the city. And so it entails every day challenging every way that we do business, every decision that we make to figure out what, what the best outcome is for everybody, you know, not just for the business, not just... Uh, for the team, you know, we, we challenge our team as well to to mm -hmm. create space for our guests. And it's a really grand experiment 
that so far has worked out really well. That's, I mean, and it, and it only makes sense and I'm sure it obviously will continue. So I love that you're talking about this because it kind of wraps into the, the next question. So obviously by focusing kind of on smaller local businesses, entrepreneurs, it seems the hotels really created a lot of opportunities for the local community to really thrive alongside the hospitality industry, which is really important. So what are the effects that you're seeing from all of this work? It's been great. So so the effect to those local entrepreneurs is obviously driving their business. But I think that the effect to the hotel has been incredible as well, because now we've created uh, an ecosystem of people who are vested in, in our success. And so uh, as, as much as we started all of this from a place of wanting to, uh, to make lives better for the people around us, it's been great because those people now actively pour into our business. Those people are now evangelists for the hotel. I can't, yeah. I can't count the number of times someone has reached out and said, hey, I'm sending my, you know, my parents to stay at the hotel. I'm sending my sister to stay at the hotel. I've told everyone about the restaurant. I think what you're doing is incredible. Uh, there's people who live in the community who work from Revival every day, which has become more and more common in our industry as we create these amazing spaces and, uh, and try and figure out how to activate some of the real estate that we have. I think what's different here is that those people are bringing their sons and daughters to work at the hotel. And so they're saying, listen, I love what you've done here, not only as a as a participant, but I'm entrusting you with the most valuable thing in the world to me. uh, And that's and that's that's my daughter. So to me, you know, those are things that that you're not going to see on the P&L. I mean, you'll see it in an outcome. You'll see it in in, in growth in, in in those KPIs. But. Uh, but the way that we've gotten there has really been from approaching things from a spirit of just trying to do the right thing and trusting that the community will pour that back into the business. So we've tried to create a space where where we don't approach community impact things looking for a direct ROI. So I don't want our director of culture and impact thinking about, well, if we do this program, if we if we renovate this school in East Baltimore uh, through partnerships and relationships that we have, how is that going to drive value to the business? Our group's going to book mm-hmm. because of that. That's not for him to worry about. I want no. him to only worry about doing good. I want the people in the building to worry about the way that we can do the right thing. And then I'll worry mm-hmm. about how we, uh, how, we, how we turn that into results for the business. Incredible. And that just pays dividends in the future in, in the human aspect, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It, it, and it, I love that you're, you're really focusing on, on the, it's, it's the meaningful side of things and, and understanding where to place the value of it. And some things, you know, it, it's not necessarily a monetary value and it's like, and it, there's not, we don't need to be looking at it that way. So, but what you're mentioning, and I love that as far as talking about how individuals, you know, are even, you know, bringing some of their kids uh, or nieces or nephews that as they're looking for jobs and saying, okay, they would be, you know, a great employee. So definitely want to address this. I, I think you'll have a lot of great insight. Obviously, as a GM, you've seen this certainly firsthand. And this has been, by the way, not only just in the United States, but an international challenge. The industry has seen a lot of changes, and especially when it comes to attracting and retaining talent. Um, so you've mentioned this a little bit, but would love to hear you talk about it more. Do you do you have a different approach um, to attracting and retaining talent, especially considering how your property has a, a different approach really to um, understanding the community and, and probably even the guest experience. Yeah. I mean, I think fundamentally we, we try and we try and meet people where they are, which, you know, I've heard thrown around quite a bit in a number of spaces 
But that literally means if if you know our director of housekeeping is on her way home from work and there's a guy in her neighborhood who needs a job, then she brings him in. Um, you know, one of the one of the beautiful things about the way that we've positioned ourselves uh, in the community through the work that we've done is that is that people feel like this must be a great place to work in order for us to be doing those things. I like to believe that's the case, but there's no way that you'd really be able to perceive that from the outside and know the culture that exists in the space. I think people are making an assumption that great things are happening because clearly, you know, we're, we're doing great things outside the building. So, so that's been really, really meaningful to us. I think more than ever, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, which was this really, really deeply traumatic experience for all of us, I think people are reevaluating a lot of things. And one of those things is, uh, is where they spend their time, where they spend their resources, uh, where they spend their labor. And, and I think it works to our benefit that people are more than ever trying to align those things where they pour value with their personal values. And so yeah. if, if people want to uh, work for a company that aligns with, uh, with, with their personal commitment to making the world a better place, then they're going to choose to work somewhere that's doing those things, whether they actually get to participate in them or not. Uh, later this afternoon, I have our monthly GM communication meeting, which is just me sitting around a table with, uh, you know, with 10 or 15 representatives from every department in the hotel. Anybody can show up to that meeting. And oh, lots wow. of hotels have a similar framework where yeah. you get to you get to interface directly with the GM. Uh, it can be getting things off your chest or it can be, uh, you know, sharing praise for things that you love. And what I find in those conversations more than anything is that people around the table share with me that they may not have gotten to participate in the event if we went and cleaned up a part on a Sunday and Sunday is our heaviest checkout day. So the entire housekeeping department is all hands on deck at the hotel. But they know that them looking after the business created the opportunity for us to go off and do these great things in the community. So they're a part of it. And so if I look around that table, 80% of those people will say that one of the things that got them here to begin with, the reason why they walked through our door is because they were aware of what we were doing in the community. And so statistically, that shows up in our retention statistics. It shows up in, in the time to fill open positions uh, and really in every way that we measure uh, outcomes. We have a, a baseline 14 months of time that the hotel was open before we deployed this philosophy. And so we can always measure back against what, what was happening before. And in every way, it's better. So it's not just making lives better outside the building. It actually leads to positive outcomes for the business. That's incredible. And I love I love that you share a little bit about, um, first of all, I love how you have those meetings, but that it's open to anyone to show up. Um, because I know, obviously, as you mentioned, some places do, do have their own version of that. And, you know, they try to mix and match, but it is really good. And especially, and I can just even tell from our conversation that you make it a very warm and welcoming place. So I'd like to see think that not only will people, you know, come share maybe what might be working um, or what might not be working, but maybe even ideas. You know, they're like, oh, we've gotten this feedback. This might be a great thing to implement. And that always, um, it, you know, if it's an idea that you can kind of run with, I'm sure a lot of individuals um, and employees take so much from that and they feel respected and heard. 100%. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a common saying at the hotel uh, that, you know, that no idea is off the table. Um, 80 percent of our meetings start with someone walking into a room and just saying, hear me out. And we know that something's coming that's going to be at the very least interesting. 
And my job yeah, isn't to yeah. say yes to everything that everybody wants to do, but everybody okay. knows that their ideas will be heard. And we do things all the time that I didn't initially agree with. And someone makes a strong case for it. It makes sense. And then we experiment. Um, and some of my favorite things that we've ever done were things that I initially didn't want to do. But I think people knowing that that they'll always be heard, no matter how wacky their idea might seem, is is why people have such a deep, deep uh, emotional connection to. I'm to dying life. to know. Can you give an example of one of those? Yeah. So during the pandemic, uh, probably my favorite thing that I, that I hated at first was during the <laughs> pandemic, uh, early days. Uh, our, our director of culture and impact, uh, Jason Bass came to me and he said, hey, listen, uh, I'm hearing that uh, that there's people who now that indoor dining has shut down are losing their brick and mortar space. So you've got all these restaurants in the city and ultimately the most vulnerable entrepreneurs are the ones who don't have the cash reserves to ride out a window of time where they can't do business. Uh, We should let them operate out of the kitchen that we have. So we have two kitchens at the hotel who once that once indoor dining was shut down, we couldn't operate. So wow. Jason came to me with this idea and I was like, that's wacky. Nobody's going to want to to go from having their own brick and mortar space to now yeah. operating out of a kitchen that's buried in a hotel somewhere that nobody's going to want to know about, that nobody's mm-hmm. going to know about. And so uh, so where we landed after a spirited back and forth, they typically are, was <laughs> um, let's just put it on Instagram and see if anybody interacts with it. We'll just say, hey, listen, we've got these two kitchen spaces. If you've lost your brick and mortar, uh, reach out to us. Uh, here's a link to a quick application that you can fill out, just letting us know who you are, and uh, we'll go from there. And so we posted it. I said, "We'll come back in a in a few days and see what the what the outcome is." And literally the next morning, we got to work, and there were 23 applicants. And so I was wow. like, "All right, you know, I'm I'm happy that I was wrong. Uh, let's uh, let's let's figure out how to how to how to maneuver this thing and help some people." And That's such a great example. You know, what's what's great about that is that we were able to to help a lot of people. I mean, we ended up. Well, initially, we were going to do two week rotations and just kind of have a bunch of different people get to come in. But what was great about it was our guests who were staying at the hotel at that time. And it was a pretty quiet time for travel in general. But we still had guests who were staying. We're now able to get, you know, a random slice of, of the Baltimore culinary scene through their experience at the hotel that was operated by someone from the community of Baltimore. And so if we cycled through 10 different operators. Now that's 10 different sets of relationships that we have with people who, again, going back to my initial point, are now a part of our community. And some of those people who were working with those restaurant operators are now people who are on our team. Two years later, someone comes and applies for a job. And we remember you know, that one guy who was a part of the team at Durham Oyster when they were here two years ago. So it's yeah. been really, you know, it's been a really amazing journey with those types of things. That's I, and that's a great story as well too to kind of just show how, you know, if if you're open minded enough and kind of can play around with an idea, it, and obviously it needs to make sense business wise, but um, but again, how it's given back to you all in the long term, you know, obviously it gave back in the short term, and then also how it's given back in the long term as well, like in a in a meaningful way, more than just the bottom line and the bottom dollar, which is, I think, what it kind of comes back down to with hospitality. There is this intangible um, element to it that doesn't have a a cost value, you know, and and I think that that's really a really important part of the industry. Um, so, okay, so I love to ask this question. I'm curious to hear how you'll answer it. Just it's kind of in honor of the name of the show, Travel Redefined, um, and everything that we've talked about. How do you see travel being redefined? 
Uh, I think I think like like most industries, it'll it'll be defined by by our customers, and and I think as as our customers continue to to shift their views and their priorities and their perspectives, um, our industry will react. And I think as an industry, uh, we tend to be less dynamic than than some other industries, right? The the way that hotels are marketed is very different than the way that an iPhone is marketed, and yes. and we and we you know we we're a little less nimble than than some of those other industries. But I think one of the you know one of the gifts that the pandemic would you know has given us is that we've been forced to be more nimble than we've ever been. Uh, just doing things the way that that we've done them for twenty or thirty years, we all recognize won't work. And I think this is the first time we've had sort of unanimous alignment around the idea that what was happening five or six years ago is broken and now needs to be fixed. And now the differences of opinion are around what the best path forward is, but at least we're all aligned in the fact that something has to be different. And, and the direction that I see that going is, is people being more intentional and, and we have to be. Uh, I think that the, you know, nobody woke up one day and said, and all of a sudden decided that bartenders can have beards and tattoos. We just realized that some of the best bartenders in the world have beards and tattoos. And so yeah. we were we were locking ourselves out of access to incredible talent because we had we had antiquated standards of what uh, of what people should look like to do jobs. And I think once we get to a place where we start to strip away all of those things uh, and really only keep the ones that matter and are meaningful, then I think that's when the industry will fully dial into to the, the wants and needs of its customers. Love that. Love that response and couldn't agree more on, on all of it. So um, I definitely want to hear your your viewpoint on this as well, too, before we wrap up. Um, I mean, you've been around, uh, you've stayed in, in many properties yourself. You've worked at different properties. You kind of probably hinted at a little bit of this at the beginning of the conversation. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, and it doesn't matter necessarily what business you're in, but what makes something five-star service to you? Uh, it's a good question. I think um, to me, and, and the, the the interesting thing is that is that we have a lot of conversations about what impact hospitality could look like in a luxury space, because I think that there's a lot of people. And and to be clear, we we welcome the skeptics. We want we want this philosophy to have holes poked in it. We want it to be challenged. We want you to tell us all the things that you think you know won't work, so that so that we can you know, stress test our ideas. And so. Uh, of course, there's no reason why a luxury hotel couldn't couldn't you know feed people in the community who, who need to be fed, couldn't um, you know couldn't mentor young people in the city who need to be mentored. But when you talk about things like blowing up the uniform program because does every position need to be told how to dress, or you know allowing people to show up to work as their full selves, which means you know earrings larger than a dime and uh, and maybe, you know, men can have long hair and that could be okay. Uh, I think that the luxury space, so the five-star experience, tends to be the space where we cling to, uh, to quote-unquote, tradition the most fiercely. And I think it's the space that probably needs to change the most. And so to me, uh, a luxury experience is, is my own view of the highest version of self-care. And the places that align with that the most are the places where... I'm willing to spend the most money. And I've eaten at some of the best restaurants in the world. I've eaten at you know, plenty of the 50 best bars. Uh, those are some of my favorite places, but the full range. I mean, some of those bars are in alleys in Barcelona and some of those bars are in you know, five-star luxury hotels. And I can enjoy those experiences equally as much 
just based on how well I'm treated, not based on how much they spent on the drapes. So I think for us, and I think in the in the redefined version of our industry, five-star service is going to look like really dialing into people's values and not dialing into uh, the, the, the employee handbook from 30 years ago. Love this response. This is amazing. No, and, and uh, I mean, you you just hit the nail on the head. And I again, everybody has a little bit of a different viewpoint or background on it. But um, what you said, again, I, def- I totally agree with. So um, much more to talk about. This conversation, by the way, has been incredible. And um, I, I do, I like this has been, and I knew that this was going to go long because I was like, <laughs> we're going to talk about so many amazing things, which is a good thing. So um, that's a really great thing. So um, just as, as we're wrapping up, to, you know, want to nod our head, obviously, to where you are, Hotel Revival. Um, what can we expect in the next year or so? What's next um, for the property? What, what can we look forward to? It, we're going to continue to challenge ourselves. I think we we want to, first and foremost, all of this is meant and intended to be replicated. We we publish the playbook everywhere that we possibly can. Uh, we you know we we do panels, we do speaking engagements, we train other hotels on how to do our thing. Uh, I've always said, ideally, I'd love to have to figure out a new way to be special. So so what you can expect is that we'll continue to push out this philosophy and also the methodology that supports it. So you don't have to you don't have to look far to figure out how we did it. We're gonna tell you exactly how we did it. Um, and also what's happening within the four walls of the space is we're gonna to continue to build on what we've done before. So we'll keep evaluating the, you know, the, the standards that exist in the industry, the norms that, that exist and how business is done and keep challenging ourselves to participate in the community in ways that drive the community being built in a healthier and more sustainable way. Love that. Oh my gosh, that's like silent round of applause from everybody, please. You know, that's like maybe not silent, but everybody can make the noise. But uh, thank you again so much. This is again so so exciting. I know um, personally on my list, the next time I'm in Baltimore, I will absolutely be coming by your property. Would love to meet you and, and just see it uh, in person and, and just see everything that you've built. I mean, this is again, I would love that. so inspiring and, um, and so much more to come too. And I, I can't wait to see how this mission and absolutely the concept of impact hospitality just continues to grow because the space needs it. You've addressed it so well. So uh, thank you again so very much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So for everybody that has been tuning in, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. Really great stuff here. I will make sure that we have all the details in the show notes if you want to find out uh, more about Dante, more about Hotel Revival, Baltimore, all of that. Um, All the details will be in the show notes, so definitely check it out. Connect everywhere online because that is what we do. Um, But thank you guys all for tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned next week for more. Um, And as always, thanks for tuning in. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning in to Travel Redefined. Hopefully you've taken away something from this week's guests and that you too are excited to see how travel is evolving. Don't forget to leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode and subscribe so that you won't miss out on the amazing conversations to come. And until next time, keep on traveling.